welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, so good to see you. Happy Sunday. So thankful that you've stopped by, whether you're watching live with us or after the fact. Thank you for stopping by. Our prayer is that you would experience God in a real transformative way. Once again, if you are with us today, live especially, engage in the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know how we can pray for you. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button for our YouTube channel. Share the link, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, or on YouTube. It helps us spread the word. Now, if you were watching uh, last week for Father's Day, we had a little bit of a break in our Jonah series. Uh, we had the privilege of having Pastor Wayne Northup all the way from New Orleans, uh, who is a personal mentor in my life. And I hope you had a chance to watch that, and I hope that you were impacted by that message. I'm just so thankful for Wayne Northup and his investment into my life. And uh, I wouldn't be the person that I am today on so many levels if it wasn't for him and his wife, Christy's investment in my life uh, many, many, many years ago when I was living in Minnesota. So if you haven't watched that message, go back and watch the Father's Day message. But today we are going to continue on to our third part of our Jonah series, which I think has been amazing. I don't know about you. I'm, of course, biased to the things that we do at Kingdom Culture, but I, I, I always feel like when we do these types of series around a book, per se, like around an actual book of the Bible, the book of Jonah, it's just, it's different. We did a, a series recently on James 4. It wasn't the whole book, of course, but that was called Divided. I, I loved that series. So much good feedback. Now we're in this three-part series on Jonah. And like I said, like every week, I, I wasn't planning on doing a series for the community of Kingdom Culture on the book of Jonah as for months now, I was just meditating personally on the story of Jonah. And uh, God had been speaking to me through the story of Jonah and connecting it to the season. And there had even been a lot of questions that I had about, God, you know, what were you doing here? And why did this happen? And it turns out, you know, God wanted me to share and kind of share what I was learning, but share with you, the body, uh, what I feel God is saying in this hour. I feel like it's very prophetic, for this hour, like God is speaking now to us. He's not just speaking, you know, from a historical, uh, you know, factual uh, document. He's actually speaking to us now. It's present. It's real to us now. And so we're going to dive into part three. I think it's very interesting, though, because maybe you weren't tracking with this. Uh, I had recorded this message for Jonah part two. And before the Sunday, on June 11th, on June 11th, Friday, 
uh, there was an article that came out, and it hap- actually it happened on June 11th, and a whole bunch of news now platforms have picked it up and have re-reported it. On June 11th, there was a man who was lobster fishing, okay, catching lobster. He was scuba diving. He was quite deep in the ocean, and he was swallowed by a humpback whale. And he was in the whale for between 30 and 40 seconds. This is the report. He thought he got swallowed by a shark. It was dark. He felt a big bump. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, he's in, literally in a whale. And obviously, you know, like whales are are friendly uh, normally. Like whales like this are friendly normally. And so it was probably by accident. But the whale ended up spitting the scuba diver out. Okay, spitting this fisherman out onto into the water, and he survived to tell the story. What are the chances, Kingdom Culture? Like, I, I take these things and I, I look at them, and I'm like, God knows, God's not. There's no coincidences in the kingdom. Only Godcidences. Talk about this all the time. What are the chances that the one time we're talking about Jonah, like, and I haven't seen an article like this really ever. There has been some other types of stories like this, but, you know, what are the chances of the week while we're in the middle of this series, and I'm actually on the week I'm talking about, not the beginning of the book of Jonah, but I'm talking about the story, the part of the story of Jonah, where he's swallowed by the whale. The message was titled, The Belly of Breakthrough, okay? Now, the same week on June 11th, which is also very significant to me, um, he, this man is swallowed by a humpback whale and spat out just like Jonah was swallowed by a whale or a great fish or a sea creature and spat out and lived to tell about it. Come on. Like if you don't see that, I just see that God is speaking to us right now about the transition that is about to, and is beginning to take place in a radical way. And the reason why it's significant for me, I look at dates, dates mean a lot to me, dates mean a lot to to, to God, if you look at scripture, the study of numerology and numbers and dates, they're all very significant. Well, on June 11th, in 2011, June 11th, and I won't go through the whole story, but it was a very significant day for me, and God had been speaking to me some for some time about transition, using the honeybee as a sign. Now, some of you may have heard my story. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I'm just going to allude to it. And I remember it was that the story for me began in May of 2011, all the way culminating to June 11th, where God had been speaking to me about the sign of the bees, sign of the bees. God, Sean, God said to me, Sean, uh, you're moving into a season of the honeybee. And on June 11th, while I was speaking in Alberta, I get a phone call where the cops showed up to my house knocked on my door and said to my wife, ma'am, you have a ball of over 2,000 honeybees in a tree on your lawn. Now, when I heard this story and I did some digging, it was all about transition. This ball wasn't a hive. It was a colony of bees that had left its previous hive and came with the new queen, protecting the queen while they sent out what they call bee scouts to find their new hive so they could transition. It was all about transition, these these balls, these, these, it's like it was a National Geographic picture, literally. This ball of over 2,000 honeybees, looked like a basketball of bees, literally was just in a location on my lawn transitionally while they would find, while they were looking for their new hive. And so it was all about transition. So June 11th, 2011 was a very transitional moment for me. It is actually a very transitional year on so many levels. And so 10 years later to the exact day we're in this series on Jonah, 
talking about the belly of breakthrough, talking about the transition of what happens when we're in these bellies of life. And in the same week on June 11th, there's a sign in the natural, like there was a sign in the natural for me with the honeybees, there was a sign in the natural of this belly of breakthrough that we are in right now. God is getting us ready to break out. I feel like as a, and I'm prophesying right now to you, kingdom culture, and for those that are watching, I just believe that whatever it is you're going through, you are about to break out out of it in Jesus' name, that whatever inside scenario you feel like you're in, when Jonah was inside the fish, he was crying out to God. You're inside a situation right now, isolation, struggle, challenge. You're inside a pandemic. You're inside maybe the fear of the unknown right now, this new thing you're gonna launch into, this new venture. Whatever the case may be, I believe you're about to break out. It's the sign of Jonah. I believe also it's prophetic, that, like I said, I think it was last week comparing Jesus to Jonah and, and Jonah taught our Jesus how he was literally in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights as a sign of the resurrection and what he was going to do to conquer death. And I just believe in this season, we are about to come out. We are about, we came in but we're about to come out into new life. God's about to revive us in a significant way. And I just believe that we're gonna feel it. We're gonna feel it in the fall, something significant. I don't know what it is. There's a new vulnerability. There's a new susceptibility. There's a new openness, I believe, to the gospel, to the hope that Jesus is to us. Yes, there's a way more polarization than there ever was. But at the same time, I believe God's truth is gonna penetrate in this next season like it never has in a way because we're more open than we were. And I believe, I believe this with all my heart that there is a transition coming that is going to blow our faces off in Jesus' name. So get ready. I just believe that it was a sign. To see this happen just blew my mind. And I pay attention to those things. And so uh, we're going to move on now, but I just wanted to share that with you to encourage you, hopefully. Um, part one of our series on Jonah was called The Realities of the Escape. And uh, I think it's very important you go back to that message if you haven't heard it yet and re-go over it if you have heard it because it's very important in this season that we don't escape prematurely. We wait to be spat up. We wait to, for the transition. Sometimes we want to exit things too quick and we miss out on the development of character, the development of our strengths and gifts, the development of who we are. And we miss out because we abort mission too early. And so we have to wait sometimes. Don't look for the out. Don't look for the escape. We talked about how it's always the wrong way when we go the disobedient way. We talked about how it will never work out as planned. We talked about how, you know, uh, escaping too early affects those around you, how it affected the sailors, how Jonah was in a storm because of his disobedience and it affected those around him. We also talked about how it dulls your senses when you try to exit uh, or abort a mission too early. Part two, which was la or, or two weeks ago's message, um, was the belly of breakthrough like I just kind of mentioned earlier. And we talked about how in the bellies of life, in the, I got you to slap your bellies if you remember that, slap those bellies, say, wake up, wake up. But in those bellies of life, 
we realize and remember. We realize and remember like why we got into this in the first place. Like we realize and remember like who God is, remember how God is faithful. We talked about how we restore and refocus, how Jonah kind of had a restoration because he had abandoned his mission for fear. You know, uh, on lots of areas of fear surrounded his mission. So he went the opposite direction. He was able to be restored and refocused while he was in the belly. And then ultimately it was preparation for him to be revived and resurrected as he was spat out, just like Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And he was actually, that was actually compared in the book of Matthew to Jonah as the sign of Jonah. And uh, and then, of course, you know, death spat out Jesus out of the grave, so to speak, and he resurrected, changed the game for all of us. Today, we're going to dive into Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 4, okay? But I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit of Jonah chapter 3. I'm not going to read all the scripture, okay? I'm going to read a few, but we're going to start it off in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now, as you know, Jonah at this point has already been spat up, okay? So he's been, he's out of the belly. He's had some breakthrough, okay? He's broken through. Now it's like, okay, starting over again, okay? So Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Why? Because the first time, he abandoned his mission. He, he, he went in the opposite direction, went down to Joppa, paid some sailors, and was heading for Tarshish, which was the furthest away possible he could go. It was either southern Spain or northern Africa, okay? So, and this was away from where he's supposed to go, which was Nineveh, big capital city of this Assyrian empire. So the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, it says, so a second time, and we have this time, not the first time, but this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large, it took three days to see it all. Now, in this context, you know, remember this, like I kind of mentioned this, I think, last week. Jonah, what, uh, Jonah had tra- would have traveled, we don't know exactly, but at least f- over 500 miles, okay, from where he was, from where he was spat up to get to Nineveh. Now, you got to think about this. Like, there was no social media. Um, it was all word of mouth, just kind of how the stories kind of spread around about Jesus, you know, at his town and beyond. Uh, there was no social media. So, you know, everything was kind of word of mouth. But Jonah, as a prophet, would have gone to all the main city squares in this capital of the Assyrian Empire. Because, you know, the at that time where he was, it would have been around 120,000 residents, okay? Twice the size of Babylon. So he would have had to make his way for three days, announcing and pronouncing this prophetic word of like, you know, you know, basically stopping the violence, stopping, you know, basically it was almost like a, le- it wasn't repentance, so to speak, but kind of likened to that, turning from their evil ways, you know? So Jonah is pronouncing this judgment that's gonna come on them in 40 days, uh, because of A, B, C, D. He had to go through the towns. It would have taken him at least three days and preached in enough public squares to get the word out, okay? So this is just the context for you. Then it says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed, okay? And it says the people of Nineveh believed God's message, capital G, God's message. Because remember this, this was a polytheistic uh, environment, every the multi, like thousands of gods, multi gods. There wasn't just one god. There's no way that they would have believed in Jonah's god. But because in the ancient 
uh, in the ancient uh, world, it was normal for prophets to come through towns like this and prophesy. There was an acceptance to this. And, and because they were so used to what was called omens, okay, in cities like this where omens would have been normal, they would have been paying attention to weird things that were going on, they probably had seen a bunch of things along the way that when Jonah had come in, this is what scholars believe, it was easy for them to believe the message. It was easy for them, for number one, I mean, he came all this way, think about it, five, over 550 miles, came all this way. They probably don't know what happened to him, but he came all this way to pronounce this message of doom and gloom, like, man, we're paying attention. And even if, like, it's the what if, okay, so what if he's right, let's do the thing. And in this time, in this time, because it was so polytheistic, they, they wouldn't have, um, the, the, the natural response would have not been what it was. Believing God's message, sackcloth and ashes, burlap, it wouldn't have been that because that was kind of what they did for Jonah's God. See, they, they would have believed in Jonah's message, therefore believed that Jonah's, Jonah's God in that moment was the one that was going to destroy their city. That's what they believe. So they did what people who served Jonah's God would have done. That's why they responded this way. And you can read it, verse five. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow for what they had done. It was kind of almost like a form of repentance. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a, on a heap of ashes. Like, once again, this was not normal. Like, in this type of environment, they wouldn't have done this, okay? So let's pay attention because they're obviously now, they're, they're like believing like Yahweh, Jonah's God, the Hebrew God must be the God that Jonah is talking about that's gonna destroy this city. And the whole message was turning from their evil ways and stopping all their violence. Now, the ends, go to verse 10, verse 10 of chapter three. When God saw that they had done what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, this was part of the reason, if not all of the reason, we don't totally know, but we can kind of get a glimpse into, into it, reading the whole, you know, all the chapters of Jonah. Part of the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. It's like this daunting city, this huge capital, very intimidating, very far away, you know, he's going to get there. He's going to travel all this way. He's going to give this like doom and gloom message only for God to change his mind. Because I can guarantee you that God had done this before with Jonah. We don't know much about Jonah's life prior to this, but I guarantee you, and all the prophets had experience with this at some level. God is merciful. God is compassionate. God is all loving. He's full of grace. And he was known to not change his mind because it's I, I, I this is like this is where we wrestle because I, I believe that God probably knew what was gonna happen. God knew the response because God's not up there like, oh, I didn't know they were gonna change their mind. Shoot, I gotta change my plan, throw out my plan, throwing it in the trash, emptying the trash bin. Like that's not that's not God what God was thinking. Like God knows what we're going to decide. It doesn't mean that he's in control of what we're going to decide. He just knows the human heart. He's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. Because he's all-knowing, he knows what you're going to do before you do it. Now, this is opening up a whole can. I'm not going to get into this. But just because God's all-knowing doesn't mean we don't have free will. In fact, it just means that God is smarter than us. 
and has is outside of time, outside of space. Okay, he's all knowing. He's all he's the creator, and he just knows that you're gonna make mistakes, and he's got a plan. He's always got a plan. Okay, so when God saw that they had done, he changed his mind and did not carry out his, the the destruction that uh, had been planned. Now flip over to Jonah chapter four, which I want to really focus on. Verse one. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. This was part of the reason, if not the whole reason, why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Here he is now. He's like, he's wrong. Like to, to be wrong, it almost exposes this longing for validation. Like this longing to be right, this pride, this arrogance. Like, you know, we're not just the messenger. It's like we're the messenger and we're also God as well. And Jonah is not God. He's just the messenger. You see, we're called in life to be obedient to the process. We are not called to control the outcome. Big difference. Big is a big chasm between, you know, obedience in the process and responsibility for the outcome. God is responsible for the outcome. Just like God is responsible for the harvest, we are responsible to lean in and walk with God in the process. Jonah as a prophet, as a mouthpiece for God, is simply, his calling is simply to declare what God says. And if God changes his mind, because it's all about stopping the violence, it's all about basically turning from your evil ways, and people respond... Of course, God's going to show grace. Of course. Now, keep in mind, I'm also reading an under. The, I'm reading a context, okay, under the old covenant, okay, very different than under the new covenant. Some of you are asking questions already in your mind. Well, how can God be like that? Well, here's the thing: until Jesus, as the one sacrifice. When there was evil, there was always a sacrifice to atone for the sin. That's why it's such good news. It's better than the old covenant. The news better than the old because Jesus came as our one-time sacrifice to be judged for our sin. He conquered sin and death. Why? Because death comes as a result of sin. And in the Old Testament, this is what happens. Death would be the result of sin, okay? So without going too deep into that rabbit hole, I'm just going to stay on point here, okay? So Jonah is ticked off. He's angry. It's exposing his heart. He became very angry because he didn't like the change of plans. His pride was exposed. Verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Like, like shouldn't you be happy that your message turned the hearts of the people so they wouldn't have to get destroyed. Like, God's probably thinking, like, shouldn't you be, like, where's your revelation, Jonah, of me as a good God? Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why we get a clue into probably why he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. Didn't I say before I left home, you know, before I went into the storm, before I went to Joppa and hired the sailors to take me away, farthest away possible, didn't I say that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and a compassionate God. So Jonah knew this about God. It happened before. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. He's a loving God, of course. Now, the language is a little more aggressive. It's not like God's up there, I can't wait to destroy people. No, just the reality of it is, under the old covenant, death was the result of sin, okay? And so verse three, just kill me now, Jonah says. Kind of sounds like Elijah a little bit. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Wow. That is like pride 101 right there. Is this about you, Jonah? 
or is it about God? Like, what's what 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 calling are we living in right now? What's the mission here, Jonah? What's the mission? Just kill me now. Like, I'd rather be dead than be wrong. That is like the highest level of pride. I don't want to face failure, even though I should be celebrating that my message actually had an impact. I don't want to face the failure of being wrong. Verse four, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Great question that God had to Jonah. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Verse six, and the Lord God arranged, keyword, say it with me, arranged, God arranged, come on, say it, God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was grateful, very grateful, for that plant. But then God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away, verse 8. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. I love this, by the way, this part of the story. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the story near the end of the book of Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, Jonah exclaimed. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? This conversation, this interaction with God, Jonah and God, was very exposing and brings us into sort of motivations. It brings us into the heart. It brings us into the wrestle. You know, it's like another layer of breakthrough. Yes, Jonah broke out of the belly, but every time we break out, we break into a new opportunity to break through again. Sometimes it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. Well, it's all about the inside. I mean, Jonah had to break through on the inside before he broke out of the fish on the outside. But then we go through another layer of breaking in or breaking out as we continue to move forward. So today's message, that was my introduction. Today's message. I know these messages have been a little longer, but I think it's okay. I'm hoping it's okay. Um, we're diving in a little bit more to more scripture and focusing in and honing in on the beauty of the story. But today's subject is arranged for change. Say that with me. Arranged for change. Arranged for change. Let me open this with who likes, it's really a question, who likes change? I mean, most people like change. Most people like the change only if it benefits us. If it benefits us or we can see some potential future benefit, we like change. We love it. It's exciting. It's like hype. It's emotionally um, euphoric at times. It just feels like it's so exciting to change and, and, and have new adventures. But what if the change doesn't benefit us or doesn't feel like it benefits us? What if the change affects us negatively? I mean, for example, you have a spouse who decides to change something that you had been looking forward to for a long time, and that change affects you negatively. You're putting your hopes up to that day, that event, or whatever. A planned date gets moved for something important that you had hoped for or anticipated for. A goal that doesn't quite happen that the way it was supposed to 
in the timeline it was supposed to happen. Or a manager all of a sudden changes a project idea on you after you'd started something and you're discouraged. You don't like the change. Like change that affects us negatively. Nobody really likes it. But what if there's a benefit to a to it or to us that we don't see? Or someone doesn't pull through on a promise. I know this really affects me. Someone doesn't pull through on a promise. It really affects us. The, the change of plans affects how we respond or how we react. I mean, does it bother you when there's a change of plans? This is what happened to Jonah. Jonah was angry because of the change of plans. But what if our plan isn't or wasn't God's plan? What if our plan wasn't the right plan? What if we have to pivot and see the change of plans that's upsetting us as the right plan or the right way? And only after will we receive its benefit. I think that's kind of the way it always is with God in some way. Because with God, things are always changing. And maybe we don't have to say it like God changed his mind because God knew what was going to happen. But just for understanding and language sake, it's like God's changing his mind all the time because of our prayers, because of our pursuit, because of our worship. You know, and it's not like we're twisting God's arm. It's just the nature of like, it's like, it's like, if I don't invest the seed, I'm not going to get a harvest. If I invest the seed, I'm going to get a harvest. Like the outcome will change based upon, yes, it's not about works, but based upon practically speaking, if I'm putting in, I'm getting out of it. Okay. Now, of course, grace is not because of what we've done or salvation is not because of what we've done. We didn't put anything into salvation to get a salvation. All we did was receive like the only work according to what Jesus actually says in scripture is to open our heart and believe that is the greatest work okay so we get that but with God things are always changing and I think that if you look at the story of Jonah like this is the story of Jonah and it's also the case with Jonah I mean he did not do things God's way and yet he's looking for outcomes to be his way and is mad when they don't show up or pan out the way that he hoped for. He gets upset and angry. It almost looks like he's more about human validation than God's validation. What ended up pleasing God ends up displeasing Jonah, which is always the case, seems like, with us, with humans. This step of faith is pleasing God, but it's painful for us. It's displeasing to me. Or maybe this journey that I'm on right now, the circumstance that I'm facing right now, it's actually pleasing to God because in some way I'm getting better. I'm developing, I'm growing, but it's displeasing to me. I don't like it. I want the easy way out. Every change arranged by God is for our benefit. If you look at the patterns of this story over and over again, God arranged, God arranged, God arranged. These arrangements, so to speak, are for the change and the benefit of the individual these arrangements are made for. And I think sometimes this is the hardest thing for me to deal with. Like I kind of referenced it, but I struggle with this sometimes when there's a plan. I'm looking forward to something. I'm hoping for something to happen. I think we're all affected differently, but it's like hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm expecting and things don't quite turn out the way that was planned. James 4 speaks and like is like the megaphone on this. Like don't worry about tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. You cannot predict what's going to happen tomorrow. You can hope. You could expect. You could have faith and do all that. But in the end, like God has a plan. God has a plan. Be present with today and watch what God does in our 
tomorrow. I could call this message the change of plans and the lack of validation because really it exposes motives, it exposes selfishness, the fear of failure, the desire for the praise of man. It kind of it's kind of what happens when God arranges things for change in us. Now, I want to do this quickly. Let's look at what these arrangements God makes and how they end up, what they end up accomplishing for us as people. God changes the plan and then arranges for certain things to take place to deepen our understanding. Number one, he arranges change for our comfort. Write that down. Number one, for our comfort. After he gives the warning, after Jonah gives the warning, this prophecy to of judgment, basically, to the city of Nineveh, he, after he's given it, uh, maybe it's been three days, we don't know exactly, but probably around three days, because it talks about him going for three days to see the whole city. He goes and he sits back in a solitary place now to observe what's going to happen. Even after he hears the news that God changes his mind and he responds in anger. It says in Jonah chapter four, verse five, then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged, there it is again, he arranged, okay? He arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So here he is, he's upset, he's observing, it's the sun is scorching hot and God arranges in this moment for some comfort. Sometimes, we get the comfort before the struggle. We get the strength before the struggle. We get the um, comfort before the change, before the challenge. It's like God comes and he lets us know, okay, I've got you, but I'm also bracing you to teach you in this next part of your life, this next part of your season, this next chapter. It might be hard. There might be a trial. There might be a test, but I'm comforting you now so that you can trust me to comfort you then when you're going through the thing that you're gonna go through. He arranges change for comfort, for protection. And often in life, often in life, when we um, are on the cusp of a hard thing, there's a season and moments of great comfort. And even when we're in it, of course, but sometimes God gives us the extreme comfort before the next challenge so that we can get a rest in the fact that the comforter that was the comforter right now will be the comforter when we're going through the thing. Because Jonah really wasn't going through the thing yet. Even though his emotions were riled up and he was angry, he wasn't really going through what he was about to go through. Number two, he arranges change for our training, our training. And this training often is to wrestle out or not, maybe not wrestle, maybe that isn't the word, but to push out this false sense of security. Don't rely on one element or one method. Let's read it in verse seven, chapter four, but God also arranged now. So he arranged for comfort, but then he also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so it withered away. So what comforts, this is what I wanna say, what comforts us today may spoil tomorrow. So don't get too comfortable with it. What comforts you today What's strengthening you today may not be what strengthens you tomorrow. It's so easy to rely on a method, a season, a chapter of life. I like this bubble that I'm in right now. But when the bubble pops, what happens? Well, who made the bubble? 
the same person that made the bubble that made you feel comforted is the same person that's with you when the bubble pops and you feel like there's no comfort. In other words, don't just rely on the thing. Don't rely on, Jonah, don't rely on this shade, this plant, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows? You know, our training is never ending to keep us on our feet. And I, I feel like there's this thought and I more of a question that I want to ask you. Have you ever had a breakthrough and then something happens? This thought where like, you know, you have a breakthrough and then something happens where you feel like you lose it. You know, Jonah has a breakthrough. It's like God's comforting him. There's breakthrough. Okay. I'm shaded. Thank you, God. I'm grateful. And then it's like the next day, it's like something happens that almost take it away. Or you feel like you have a healing in an area. You see breakthrough in someone's body. You're praying for them. And the next day it's like back to square one again. It's discouraging. It's really discouraging. But the thing is, God is when it's like coffee. I compare it sometimes God to coffee. God is not an instant coffee packet. God is a slow brew. He's a percolate. He's a, he's percolating. It's like a process with God. God you know, we we want the breakthrough instantaneously. We want the breakthrough. I mean, Jonah could have been spat out of the fish's mouth day one, but it was three days, three nights. Why? Um, there's lots of reasons why the number three is used in scripture from a Hebrew perspective. We can go there and what three represents, but the reality of it is like, we all want as humans, everything to happen instantaneously. And in our relationship with God, it just doesn't happen that way. There's, there's a thing that God does in the process of time that we cannot get when things happen instantaneously. And so God is always training us and keeping us on our toes. And so even when you have a breakthrough and then all of a sudden it feels like the breakthrough doesn't happen, that training continues to keep you on your faith. Or do you still believe? Or did you only believe when things were good? Are you gonna continue to believe when things don't feel as good as they did? And really this, this thought, like I kind of referenced it a little bit, but I wanna spin it on a little, spin it to you a little bit differently. Have you ever had an almost breakthrough? That's kind of what Jonah had. It's almost like he almost had a breakthrough. It's like he has this shade, this stem, this plant that grows supernaturally fast. It shades him. It's like a breakthrough, but it's almost not really a breakthrough because it doesn't last. It's like an, an almost breakthrough, like you're almost there. And then the opposite happens. So many of us have gone through seasons like this. Maybe you're in a season like this right now where you almost had this breakthrough. It's like you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you got to the end of the tunnel and it was like that light wasn't as big as you thought it was. And in the end, it went dark again. Like so many of us have had that experience. And here's the thing, it's so hard to not stay discouraged when we have that experience. But the test is always, and the training is always, will you still believe no matter the circumstance? I'm not an instantaneous God. Yes, there's moments where a breakthrough happens in a moment, in a, in a, in a, in a powerful moment, and we love that. But when it doesn't happen, are you gonna believe for many, many, many more moments of faith applied before you have that next bam moment again. I believe it's God's heart that we stop, don't stop believing over and over and over again, even if we have an almost breakthrough. He arranges change for number three, exposure, exposure. This change or that was being initiated through this arrangement that I'm going to read about in verse 8 of chapter 4, really exposed Jonah's heart. It exposed his need for validation, his unhealthy 
need for affirmation, his, this false acceptance. Like, I think there was something in him that like proud, prided himself in being right and being the prophet who was right and really exposed his own insecurities. I mean, I mean, this, this concept of God, like even the language of God changing his mind really strikes a huge chord where there's so much division in the body of Christ right now. It's like, especially in the area of the prophetic. And I won't really dive in there. I've been involved in prophetic circles for the last, you know, 19, 18, 19 years and seen a lot, experienced a lot, whether me being involved in myself or just witnessing, observing. And this is a very divided uh, reality, you know, where like I get a, you get a word from God and could it be that, you know, God changes the heart and then it looks like the person's wrong. And we, we don't want to even go there, really. That's a whole other teaching. And I have taught on that and we can teach on that, talk about that, but I don't want to go down a rabbit trail. But this is what this story really, it opens it up to uh, for us. And this isn't the only passage in scripture where this kind of thing happens, by the way. You can read about it in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham. And anyway, so Jonah 4, Jonah chapter 4, verse 8. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Okay, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Once again, God arranged. He arranged. There was a change that was being initiated on the inside of Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. There it goes again. I want to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Now, this external struggle was only a reflection of the internal turmoil he was going through. Because really, he was already upset. He already wanted to die. And now he's physically, his inner his, his inward storm is now manifesting externally. Because this is what happens, you guys. Your inward reality will be reflected eventually externally. If you don't deal with the internal storm within, eventually everything around you will be a reflection of what's happening on the inside of you. And this is why why the disciples they could not they, they could not silence the storm because there was a storm of doubt and unbelief in them while Jesus was sleeping in the boat. You can read about it in Mark chapter 4. So Jesus is sleeping in the boat in the middle of a storm, the disciples are freaking out. It was just a reflection of the storm of doubt and unbelief in them. Jesus is trying to model something. Listen, when you live in peace inside, you can sleep in the storm. And that's why when he got up, the first thing he did was say, peace, be still. He just manifested the peace that was on the inside of them where the disciples, they literally were seeing in front of them a reflection of the storm inside of them of fear, doubt unbelief, okay? So Jonah is having this experience now where he's being scorched. He is growing faint. He wishes to die. And simply this external scorching wind was only a reflection of the anger, disappointment, fear, distrust that was scorching his soul. It was an exposure, so to speak, because giving up is always easier than looking up. Write that down. Giving up is always easier than looking up. It was easier for Jonah to give up. I mean, you'd think Jonah being in a whale, that's a supernatural reality or experience phenomenon. Being spat out, surviving, living to tell another day, to live another day, tell another story, prophesy, complete his mission. You'd think Jonah would have been like, 
does my wrestle with God right now and my anger not feel a little bit like maybe what I felt like when I made the decision in the first place to go in the opposite direction <laughs> and, and, and run from God's call? Like, this does not feel similar. Like, you'd think Jonah would have got a revelation, but he's human, like all of us. We can have the most amazing encounter with God and in the next moment do the stupidest thing because we're human, okay? Yes, uh, there's transformation that happens, hopefully, and fruit that happens, but if fruit doesn't always happen the way that you think it's going to happen, it doesn't mean that the transformation or that the experience you had with God wasn't legit. Sometimes things just take time. Jonah is having a, a hard time clearly processing all the things that have already taken place. And maybe along the journey, 550 miles later, after he was spat out of the mouth, he was tired and weary. He didn't want to, you know, like he was good. He, man, I got a breakthrough. I got spat out of the belly of the whale. And after 550 miles, after about, it would have taken about at least, okay, at least 30 days, at least traveling like all day, every day to get there. He's probably tired. He's weary, and now my prophecy is not going to come to pass? Like, come on, this is ridiculous. So in this moment, giving up for Jonah is a lot easier than looking up, and that's the way it is for so many of us. So he arranges change, number four, for restoration. This is my last point. I'll close with this. He arranges change for restoration. John 1, I'm going to go back a little bit to the very sort of kind of beginning of the story in verse 17, now the Lord, says it again, arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. He arranged, like, you see throughout the story of Jonah, the arrangement for change, how God arranges change. And the whole time, everything that was arranged by God, everything that God allowed to take place was all for Jonah's benefit to teach him, to grow him. We only grow through the storms. We don't, we grow through the good times, but I, but let's just be honest, we grow deeper. We grow more stable. We grow more confident during the hard times. When we have to hold on for dear life and use those spiritual muscles, when we're using those muscles, guess what? We grow those muscles. When we're living in the land flowing with milk and honey, everything's just easy. We're just in a place of rest and enjoyment. We don't really grow as much. Yes, we grow because we enjoy. We grow because we receive. But man, we grow through the trial. We grow through the test. We Our character grows in perseverance. We grow our hope factor in these moments, our faith factor in these moments when we're up against fear. And for Jonah, the change that was arranged through the whale was all about, like I said last week or two weeks ago, was about the restoration, the restoration of his call, the restoration of his mission, the restoration of who he was supposed to be. And so just to give you a little bit of a recap, we have, you know, God arranges change for our comfort, number one, number two, our training, our exposure, number three, and number four, our restoration. And as I've said in the beginning of this whole series, there's so many correlations and even almost opposites that we see in Jonah and Jesus. Both Jonah and Jesus slept in a storm, one because of disobedience and one because of obedience. You know, Jonah preached the message of judgment. Jesus became our judgment. Jonah was the dove. 
Jesus, that's what his name literally means. Jonah means dove. Jesus paved the way for the dove, the sign of the new creation, just as the dove was the sign of the new creation after the flood. I mean, the dove was pictured as the Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit isn't a dove, but pictured as a dove. Jesus paved the way for the dove, and it was a sign of the new creation. The same way the dove after the flood was the sign of the new creation, of all things becoming new. Jonah was pictured as the dove, all things becoming new, out of the belly of the whale, just as Jesus is pictured in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Jonah was the offspring of truth. Remember Jonah's dad, I mentioned this, I think, in the first one. Jonah's dad, Amate, means truth. Jonah was the offspring of truth. Amate, which was his father, Jesus was the truth and is the truth. Jonah was trapped in the depths of darkness to develop him. Jesus was trapped in the depths of darkness to develop us. Jonah was conquered or conquered death in darkness, in the belly of the whale, in the depths of the sea. Jesus conquered death once and for all, for all who would ever be and is currently living in darkness. There's so many correlations, connections, and yet also polar opposites. And this is, I, I just think that if anything that we can get from the story of Jonah, it's this, it's this, that in the end, we all need saving. In the end, whether you feel like you're in the belly of death right now, you feel like you can't get out, it's dark all around you. You don't know if life is going to spit you up. You don't know if you're ever going to get out of where you are. You feel trapped. You feel stuck. This is the gospel message. Jesus came to get you unstuck. He came to pull you out of darkness and bring you into light. He came to literally transform you and transfer you from the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says, to the kingdom of light. John 3 verse 3 says, unless you're born again, you will not enter or see the kingdom of God. The entry point, the invitation is simply saying, yes, receiving this message of hope that Jesus died on a cross, a sinless death, literally took on the judgment of our sin, past, present, and future, was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, only to resurrect a new man, just as we, when we give our lives to Jesus, resurrect as the real version of us, a new man, a new woman, a new creation, old things have passed away. This is the message, I believe, of Jonah, that God is continuing to rescue us when we're in trouble, to comfort us, to train us, to deepen our understanding, to grow who we are. Maybe you're watching right now, you've never said yes to Jesus. You don't know what would happen to you if you were to die today. I wanna give you an opportunity to say the best yes you've ever said in your entire life. It says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Every one of us watching needs Jesus, a Jesus saving. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, your background, your history. There's no history. There's no history that is not covered under the saving grace of Jesus Christ. No background. Nothing you've ever done is too big for God to come in and set you free from. And so today is your opportunity to say yes and just open up your heart. If that's you, to say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I want you in my life. I want you the leader of my life. I receive your forgiveness today. I confess that without you, really, I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. I want a relationship with you in Jesus' name. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
and let me experience the best version of life in this next season, knowing you, walking with you, being led by you, moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that, you meant it. I want to encourage you, reach out to us. We would love to partner with you, believe with you, pray for you. It's the best yes you'll ever make in your entire life. For the rest of us, as we close out this series on Jonah, I hope it was an encouragement. I know these messages were a bit longer than maybe we'd like them to be. I know people get all YouTubed out or Facebooked out or whatever after a while. But my prayer for you this morning is that you would see, smell, taste, experience the transition of breaking out in this next season in a way that you never even thought was possible. That there would be a new you, a new revived you, new resurrected you, that whatever season you find yourself in, whether you've already broken out or you're still trapped, that this would be a season marked with great transition, new opportunities, new endeavors, like just new momentum in your life, new moments to experience, new adventures to experience. In fact, I feel like many of you watching right now, you're gonna be able to say about this next season that it was the most adventurous season you've ever had before in your spiritual lifetime, in Jesus' name. So let me pray for you. God, I thank you for all those watching. I pray for radical healing to come through right now over our bodies, over our minds, over our hearts right now. I pray that you'd heal organs that need to be healed right now. That God, I just I almost see it like there's some um, long-term effects and damage in some of your organs that you're watching, some of you right now you're watching, and you've had long-term effects on some of the organs in your body that need healing. Maybe you don't have the sickness anymore, but there's still the effects, the long-term damage from something that you've been healed from or recovered from, but that's your, your organs still aren't functioning at 100% or the way that they should for your age and stage. I pray right now that, God, you would restore those organs right now. Restore those organs. I see someone's liver just being restored right now. Someone's liver right now being strengthened, restored, healed right now in Jesus' name. Someone's kidneys right now being restored. They're not functioning properly. There's issues with your kidneys. They're not functioning properly. It doesn't matter how old you are, sir. It doesn't matter how what stage in life you find yourself. I pray for those kidneys to function at 100% capacity in Jesus' name. I just saw someone's hamstring, someone's hamstring on their right leg, someone's hamstring, the back of their, 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 their hamstring area down into, almost into their ankle. Like there's like an immobility, there's a lack of mobility. And there's, you had an injury in that hamstring. You're actually in your 30s. You're in your 30s and it's the back. I'm not even sure if you could be male or female, but you're, you're, you're the back of the hamstring down into your, almost almost into your ankle. There's uh, an immobility. I pray right now that you'd heal and strengthen that area in Jesus' name right now. God, I pray that you'd restore tension in tense areas of their body right now. There's somebody that's watching. You've had in the last two weeks off and on sharp pains in the backside of your the right part of your skull, like right part of your, like going from your neck up into your skull. I just pray right now you'd restore that. You'd heal that right now in Jesus' name. Those sharp pains right now. Ringing in the right ear right now. I pray that you'd restore ringing in the right ear. Somebody's watching right now where you have this off and on. It's your the right ear the right ear, the right ear, it's a ringing in your, you're actually a woman and you're watching the right ear. God, I pray that you touch that right ear right now in Jesus' name. 
right now, God. And I pray for the nervous system. I just feel like God wants to touch your nervous system right now, that you would restore the nervous system right now in your body. Somebody's watching right now. There's like a major neurological issue happening in this last season. It's caused a lot of things to fail in your life. Like you've not been able to commit to certain things. You've like not been able to sometimes like even get out of bed when you want to. It's like something neurological and there's like a nervous system issue. God's healing you right now in Jesus name. God, I thank you for healing us. I thank you for restoring us right now in Jesus name. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you're going to do. I see somebody heal, God, God healing somebody of a scalp condition, some sort of a scalp condition. It's like the left side of the front, the left side of your head back to like the right side. There's like a scalp condition. It kind of goes around from the left, the top, the front of your left side of your head back to the backside. God touching you right now in Jesus name. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for breakthrough. God, we thank you for breakthrough. And we just pray that in this season, above all else, that we would see how, how you're arranging things for our benefit in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, I hope that encouraged you. I really felt just to pray for some healing at the end. I really felt God speaking and God, you know, wanting us to declare over you healing in this season. But I am so excited for what's coming in the summer. You're not going to want to miss it. And uh, I know you've already seen some announcements about it. Get ready. Strap on your seatbelts. It's going to be a wild ride in Jesus' name. Kingdom Culture, we love you and see you soon.